Welcome to the Nonprofit Hero Factor, a weekly live video broadcast and podcast where we'll be helping nonprofit leaders and innovators create more heroes for their cause and a better world for all of us. Ding. Hi, everybody, and welcome to an episode of the Nonprofit Hero Factory. We're very excited today. Um, what, this is one of our first episodes back, and we've got a prolific speaker, author, and communicator in general, Sam Horn. Sam is the CEO of the Intrigue Agency. Her three TEDx talks, nine books, including Pop and Tung Fu, have been distributed widely, and she's presented to Intel, Cisco, Fidelity, Nationwide, Boeing, and Capital One, among many other illustrious clients. I asked Sam earlier, and she definitely works with nonprofits as well, so she's going to really hone all of her messaging today just to help nonprofits get their word out more clearly and more effectively. She describes her superpower as helping organizations craft clear, concise, compelling presentations, pitches, website, and marketing copy that earns the attention, support, trust, and donations of stakeholders. And if she could help us all communicate our messaging as clearly as that, I think we're going to have a great episode today. So without any further ado, let's bring Sam onto the show. Hey, Boris, I've been looking forward to sharing some ideas with your viewers and listeners. That's fantastic. Since I'm all about storytelling, uh, can you share your story with us just for a couple of minutes? You bet. Two minutes, rock and roll. It's a, Some people may know that I helped start and run the Maui Writers Conference for 17 years. Uh, we did something that was unprecedented at the time. We gave people an opportunity to jump the chain of command. You could pitch your screenplay straight to Ron Howard. You could pitch your novel to the head of Random House. I mean, it was just uh, it had never been done before. But what we didn't realize is that no one knew how to pitch. And uh, after the first pitch meetings, one woman came out with tears in her eyes. And I went over. I said, are you OK? She said, I'm not OK. I just saw my dream go down the drain. She said, I put my 300 page manuscript on the table and the agent took one look at it and said, I don't have time to read all that. He said, tell me in 60 seconds what your project is about and why someone would want to read it. And, you know, Boris, it said, I watched those pitches and I could predict who was getting a deal without hearing a word being said based on one thing. Guess what? The decision makers eyebrows, because what? if we're describing our nonprofit or if someone says, oh, well, tell me what you do. Or if someone says, oh, I've heard about your upcoming fundraiser activity, you know, tell me about it. And it's we wah, 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 wah. If people's eyes are crunched up, try it right now. Crunch up your, see, it means we're confused. We don't get it. And if they don't get it, we don't get it. And now if their eyebrows were unmoved, it meant they were unmoved or they'd had Botox. Now, if the eyebrows are up right now, just arch your eyebrows, lift them. Ah, do you feel intrigued, curious? That means we got what we care about in their mental door. And in our short time together today, that's what we're going to talk about is that in a very crowded and noisy world right now, if we're a nonprofit leader, how can we get people's eyebrows up so they're intrigued and curious and want to know more about what we're doing in our nonprofit? That's uh, amazing, Sam. You're uh, giving me flashbacks of my career in Hollywood and pitch sessions and and the opportunity to pitch something to Ron Howard. I I, I might 
completely melt if I had that opportunity. He's one of my heroes. Um, and of course, I, I've worked with startups and nonprofits and getting that pitch honed is so difficult. And I'll be honest, even for, for my own things, it's difficult. I can help others much easier than I can help myself. So I'm really excited to to get into some of this stuff. Um, what, where do where do we even begin? Here's where we begin, Boris. And by the way, let's clarify: pitching isn't just for baseball, right? Is it? People think, well, wait a minute. I went into this because I care about the kids, or I went into this because I care about this cause. Yeah. The bottom line is is that Nancy F. Cohen out of Harvard found that goldfish have longer attention spans than we do. Nine seconds goldfish, eight seconds human beings. So when we say pitch, all we mean, and you know this, is we walk into a meeting, we get on a phone call, we send an email, we've got less than 60 seconds to get their attention. So how can we hit the ground running every single time? So even if people are busy, even if they're skeptical, even if it's seven o'clock at night and they put in a 10 hour day, how can we get those eyebrows up? So you ready for a 60 second opening that gets those eyebrows up? Let's do it. Okay. Now, Boris, you said that you're a storyteller. So what I do and what I hope everyone else does is that every time we want to make a point, we start with a story. Because if we start with a story, as you know, that's what people relate to. That's what they identify with. The eyebrows are up, they're intrigued, and they Socratically get the message and want to know more, right? Okay, so here's the story about how to have a 60-second opening that's helped my clients get millions of dollars. And, well, we'll tell the story. So you may also know that I was pitch coach for Springboard Enterprises. We've helped entrepreneurs get $10 billion, B, billion in valuation and funding. So one of my clients came up to me and she said, Sam, I've got good news and I've got bad news. I said, what's the good news? She said, I'm speaking in front of a room full of investors at the Paley Center in New York. I said, that's fantastic news. I said, what's the bad news? She said, I'm going at 2.30 in the afternoon and I only have 10 minutes. She said, you can't say anything in 10 minutes. I said, Kathleen, you don't have 10 minutes. You have 60 seconds. Here's the opening we came up with that helped her become Business Week's most promising social entrepreneur of that year. Did you know there are 1.8 billion vaccinations given every year? Did you know up to a third of those are given with reused needles? Did you know we're spreading and perpetuating the very diseases we're trying to prevent. Imagine if there were a painless one-use needle for a fraction of the current cost. You don't have to imagine it. We're doing it. And she's off and running. Are your eyebrows up, Boris? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm intrigued. <laughs> okay. Now, I hope people have paper and pen because that's the only thing all of our authors agreed at at Maui Writers Conference. You know, Terry Brock would say, you have to write first thing in the morning. And and uh, Elizabeth George would get up and say, I don't get going until the afternoon. And Frank McCourt would say, you have to work with an outline. And Dave Barry would say, I never work with an outline. Here's what they agreed on. Ink it when you think it. So grab a piece of paper, think about your nonprofit, and think about your meeting with a potential sponsor or donor. You're meeting with your volunteers. You're asking people to come to an event coming up. Here are three steps that can help get their attention, whether it's on the page or on the stage or online. Okay, ready? What Let's are three did you know questions you can ask about the problem you're solving, about the issue you're addressing, 
about the need you're meeting. So it's, did you know this and this and this? And now what we're looking for are startling statistics about how bad it is, about how money is, how much money is being spent, about how many people are being affected, about the trend is being worse. Mm-hmm. Because our goal is, did you know this? I didn't know that. And did you know this? It's that bad. And did you know this? It's getting worse. Do you see how in the first 20 seconds, we've already turned a monologue into a dialogue by asking questions that surprise and startle people, get the eyebrows up. Now they're engaged, right? Yeah. Okay. Now, by the way, if you're thinking, Sam, where do I find those startling statistics? You GTS that stuff. You know, I know we have nonprofits in every kind of industry and on every kind of issue. I guarantee you, if you put into search, what are startling statistics about blank, about, you know, kids with disabilities, about, mm-hmm. uh, you know, about, um, you know, uh, poverty, about homelessness, about, um, you know, food needs and things like that, you're going to come up with things you didn't know. And if you don't know it, chances are your decision makers don't know it. Now they're smarter than they were. You just earned their attention. So that's the first step. Three, did you know questions? Ready for the next step? Yeah. Okay. One word. Imagine. <laughs> Imagine pulls people out of their preoccupation. It's It helps them picture your point, see what you're saying, so they're not preoccupied. They're actually picturing in their mind what you're saying. Now, link Imagine to three benefits of your nonprofit, three uh, advantages of supporting your cause, three um, uh, good things that will happen if you go ahead and attend this event or support the nonprofit. And let's go back to Kathleen Callender. She was president and founder of something called PharmaJet. Now, before we worked together, guess how she used to introduce herself? By explaining that PharmaJet was a medical delivery device for subcutaneous inoculations. It's a what? Look at those eyebrows, Boris. (laughs) She would have lost him at hello, right? (laughs) But now she's thinking about her decision makers. What are they thinking? Well, they're thinking about those reused needles. So we made it one use. They're thinking about those painful inoculations. So we made it painless. Most decision makers, even for a nonprofit, are thinking about money. You know, how am I going to know my money is being well spent? How am yeah. I going to know the results that you're getting for my money? You know, it's So we made it a fraction of the current cost. Do you see how in a world of infobesity, we distilled into one succinct sentence of who wouldn't want that? That's your goal. Imagine this and this and this. And people are thinking, sounds pretty good. Ready for a third step? Definitely. I'm taking notes. (laughs) You don't have to imagine it. We're doing it here. In fact, in this article, in fact, here's this respected thought leader who's on our board. It's like, in fact, you know, here is a podcast interview or a media interview that that uh, showcases some of our heroes of some of our success stories. Right. So here's the thing. You can do all that in 60 seconds. And if you do that in 60 seconds, you just gave yourself a competitive edge because everyone else is still explaining what their nonprofit is, which is infobesity. You turn a monologue into a dialogue. You've gotten their eyebrows up. They're intrigued and curious. And now they know something they didn't know before 
about the importance of your cause, about the number of people being affected by it, about, um, you know, that it's getting worse and yet you're reversing it. You did it all in 60 seconds. By the way, one last thing. At the end there, come in with evidence and precedence. So when you say you don't have to imagine it, we're doing it. Come in with something that's objective and factual to prove that this isn't speculative or you're just not making some claim. Here is the objective evidence that they can trust to show that you're doing what you're saying. You're delivering on your promises so they can trust you and take it to the bank. That's awesome, Sam. So um, there's a lot to un unpack there and, and I want to explore some of it. <clears throat> There are a few copywriting or storytelling formulas, because good copywriting is, should be always good storytelling, um, that uh, I teach and, and that this just goes hand in hand with, if you will. Um, if, so first is, of course, the three-act structure of the, the beginning, middle, and end. You've got a beginning, um, which I, I, I often compare to, since I spent a lot of time in Hollywood, to that trailer voice of, in a world where this is going on, right? And those are those surprising statistics that, that you're talking about. Um, you know, one man has to, and, and that's the the solution. So there's, there's another, uh, that's... Uh, the way you put it of, of basically a uh, problem, then uh, potential result, like the vision, and then the, the solution, the way we're going to get there. So there's the current world, hopeful world, and now let's build the arc to get from the beginning to the end. So you've got all three acts, but you're doing it in a way that's constantly teasing people to, to think and getting their imaginations open, hopefully even getting some emotional connection because in uh, studies uh, that, that I've read and, and the work that I've been trying to do, you know, emotion is what really triggers someone to respond and to take action. So I think that's a beautiful formula that can, can really just simplify things for a lot of people. Here's the good news. It's a framework, right? It's, it's both of us believe that, that frameworks, templates are just suggestions and then we customize and tailor yeah. it. And Boris, the good news, we can do this in integrity. This is not some cheesy tactic, no, some manipulating of language. All we're doing is we're understanding that people have heard it before. And we have 60 seconds, once again, to genuinely introduce something that they don't know that now they're interested in, so they want to continue to listen. Now, you just brought up emotion. So that's one option. And by the way, this is a buffet of ideas. It's not, you have to do this, you have to do this. It's not, you know, it in a way, it's not a formula. It is a framework. If you want another option of how to start something off, shall we talk about that? Let's do it. Okay, we're going to talk about something called the Empathy Telescope because stories are a shortcut to compassion and examples are a shortcut to empathy. So here's a quick example, right? We show, we don't tell. So uh, Shankar Vedantam, who is host of Hidden Brain on NPR, wrote an article in the Washington Post years ago. And he wrote about an oil tanker that had caught fire 800 miles off the coast of Hawaii. Now, a cruise ship happened to be going by and they were able to rescue the 11 people on board. And the captain gave a press conference and he talked about how grateful he and his crew were to be rescued. All he can think about is his dog that got left behind, abandoned on the tanker. Well, that press conference went viral and donations started pouring in from around the world. $5, $500, $5,000. 
the U.S. Navy changed the exercise area of the Pacific Fleet just to search for that tanker. They found it. They sent a C-130 to fly low, see if there's any signs of life. There's a brown and white blur racing up and down the deck of the tanker. Of course, they mount a quarter of a million dollar rescue mission to get this dog. And they're able to safely bring him back to Hawaii. Now, people may be thinking, what does that have to do with running a nonprofit? <laughs> you know, what's the point? Here's the point. Why did people from around the world mobilize to save one dog when there are thousands of people in their own cities and states and countries going without food, water, and shelter? It is because of something called the Empathy Telescope. And the Empathy Telescope says we can put ourselves in the shoes of one person. We cannot put ourselves in the shoes of millions. We can put ourselves in the shoes of an individual. We cannot put ourselves in the shoes of an idea, of an organization, or a cause. Which is why when we try to explain how our cause works, why it's important, when we start talking about why, how we're a 501c and our mission is to do that, it goes in one ear and out the other. It's why we give examples, not explanations. So the question, of course, is, you know, who are your heroes? Who are your dogs on a tanker? Who is the individual? And just as you said, Bor, show the hero journey arc, right? Show, as I'll always remember when Jimmy came into our, you know, he came into our first event, you know, and he hung in the corner and he felt like he didn't belong. And one of our hosts went over. Or I'll always remember when so. So start in the beginning. And then guess what? You're, you're an author. You're a screenwriter. You're going to love this one. Guess what we do next? What do we do? We follow Elmore Leonard's advice. Elmore Leonard, great author, one of our favorite keynoters. Someone in the audience said, Mr. Leonard, why do people love your book so much? Guess what he said? I try to leave out the parts people skip. Ah! <laughs> Guess what, Gorse? Skip over the middle. That's where stories get bogged down, right? So we start when they came to us. And then we fast forward. And would you like to know the transition that helps us skip the middle that bogs down the story? Absolutely. Three months later. <laughs> you know, and, you know, and, and, and in our second activity is the next time they came to one of our events. So see, we skip over the actual weeds of actually how that happened. And we go to the happy ending, you know, is that now he doesn't miss an activity. Now this donor has decided to stay with us for 10 years because we're the only one that sends him a quarterly report. But they're the only one who says, you know what? We donate money to other nonprofits. And the only time we hear from them is when we get the letter asking us to give us more money. We don't hear like the results. We don't hear voluntary good news of, of how they are benefiting people, how they're getting results in the real world. So start at the beginning with an individual, not with many people and not right. with the demographic. An individual, skip over the middle, and then the happy ending, the benefit, the result, all with, done with dialogue. Time I for think me that, to put a sock in it. Balls in your court, board. <laughs> no, this is amazing. Um, so uh, there's uh, the 
fact that we can really only identify with one person, which which you brought up very uh, acutely and, and appropriately there, um, we can't identify with uh, a million people. There's also in that particular story of the dog, there's the idea that I can't save all dogs. I can't, I, I wish I could, I love dogs, but I can't. However, I can save one dog. So this one dog stuck and, and we could all, even as you were telling me the story, I was getting emotional. You know, we could all feel for that dog owner, especially for dog owners ourselves. Um, we could all feel for him and we feel like if I donate, maybe I can make a tangible difference, some result that I can see based on the effort that I put in, which might just be to, to donate. It might be to donate and share. It might be, you know, to, to invite people specifically to, to come in and hear about this story and make it go viral. So uh, there's a lot in, in that story itself. You know, Boris, it's like, do you know what the title of that article was in the Washington Post? Genocide and infamy. <laughs> because the point was, just as you said, Boris, when we hear about something that is massive, when we hear about something that is on the other side of the world, it feels distant and it feels overwhelming and we retreat and we withdraw. And that is why focusing on one individual, as you said, we feel that we can, we feel like we can help instead of feeling helpless. Mm -hmm. In fact, there's another great little story about this. Um, years ago, I was in charge. I started the National Speakers Association chapter in Hawaii. And so we had Sylvia Chase, who was in town on vacation. And so she spoke to our chapter. Sylvia Chase worked for CBS News and on one of the early versions of 2020. And I'll always remember she had a show that she wanted to do and her producers would not approve it. So she jumped the chain of command and she went into Uncle Walter, Walter Cronkite, because she knew if she pitched her idea to Walter and he said yes, that it would be a yes. So she went in and she pitched her story and he looked at her and he said, let's see. He said eight words. Guess what he said, Boris? I couldn't. <laughs> Sylvia, your cat is not in my tree. And she went, what? <laughs> he said, think about it. Your cat is not in my tree. In other words, <laughs> well, Boris, I've been talking long enough. Boris, what does that mean to you? It means that I don't know how I can step in and, and help. I, it's not on my property, so it's not my problem, but it's also removed from me. So I can't get in there and, and do anything about it. Feels like not my problem, essentially. See, Boris, you just got it. Every nonprofit leader right now, it's like, if we're not on someone's property, they don't care. <laughs> and it's not that they're not compassionate people. It's just they've got a lot on their plate. And recency equals relevancy, and so is nearness. When something is happening in our backyard, we are much more likely to care about it than if something is literally and figurative far away, distant. It's not just geographical, it's metaphorical, and it's psychological, right? So part of our goal and role as a nonprofit leader is how, when we're talking with someone, we can use a real life example, once again, not some made up story, a real life example of something that is happening in their neighborhood, in their city, in their backyard, on their emotional property. So they feel 
not only that they can help, that it's possible, they feel almost a responsibility or an obligation to step up and do something instead of just look the other way. Yeah, so we naturally can uh, understand and relate to, sympathize and empathize with things that are going on near us in our immediate vicinity. You know, if something's happening in my city and there's a danger, of course, I'm going to be more attuned to that, more responsive to that. But I will say, I think in this day and age with, with digital technology and social media and all kinds of media interconnecting us, there are different kinds of neighborhoods now. It doesn't have to be a physical neighborhood or city. It could be a neighborhood, a community that I feel I'm a part of. For example, it's Pride Month right now, right? I feel like uh, pride is critical to our society at this point in, in our history. And I'm going to stand up and, and, and take action if I see something happening to that community or for that community. I tell you, good for you, Boris. In fact, uh, we had talked about how many nonprofits because of COVID have shifted to being on Zoom and being virtual. Yeah. So how can we create a community online, right? When we have people around the world, around the country, around the state, how can we make them feel or create an environment where they feel they belong? They're part of the process instead of apart from the process. So let's talk about how we can do that virtually. You want to? Absolutely. Okay. Number one is that is is to send a letter, an email before uh, a Zoom meeting, before any event. And one of the first things is, we know you're busy. That's why you can trust us to start on time and to end on time. And from now on, understand, Richard Branson said, time is the new money. And I think time is the new trust. If we want our participants to trust us, we always start on time. Because what is the message sent if we say we're going to start at nine o'clock and people are there at nine o'clock and we say, well, we have a few latecomers, so we're going to wait for a few minutes. Who are we rewarding? <laughs> Who are we penalizing? No, we say you can trust us to always be a good use of your time. Now, the second thing always take less time than they anticipated. Hmm. If people are accustomed to like an hour meeting. You say in that email, we know how busy you are. We know that our board meetings are normally at seven o'clock and you've already put in a 12 hour day. So we have reduced our board meetings to 30 minutes, you know, and in <clears throat> people are going, oh, okay. They're acknowledging the fact that I've got a lot on my plate and I'm a lot more likely to be on that board meeting and participate in that board meeting because it's a half an hour instead of an hour. So keep it brief so they don't give you grief. Now, number three, say you have a 30-minute board meeting. Guess what? And say there's 10 people on the call, Zoom. Guess what you do for the first 10 minutes? You go around and you give every single person a voice because otherwise, they're not a part of the conversation. They're apart from the conversation. They're passive. They're not participants. So by giving people a voice and an identity, you are creating a community where we feel connected. So it's please tell us each of you have 60 seconds. And by the way, when we say 60 seconds, we mean 60 seconds <laughs> to give us you know, an update, something going on in your world so that you are connecting your board, not just on a report of what we've done since last month. We're saying you matter. 
we want, oh, I didn't know you were part of that club. Hey, congratulations on finishing that 10K. Hey, I saw that you got that award so that people once again feel connected instead of just sitting and listening to something that's not even uh, personalized or customized for them. And then guess what we do after everyone has a voice, 60 seconds. We share one of our hero stories. <laughs> we don't go right into our budget report and our, what we've spent. What we we say, you know, here's a two minute story of of something actual that happened that was a win for the organization that can help you feel proud to be on the board of the SIP. So we go right into one of our dog on a tanker stories. So and then you know then we go into the report, etc. And at the end, do you know what we always do? We set up a pipeline because we warm up a cold communication. Do you know how most people start a Zoom meeting? You ready? Put yourself on mute. <laughs> Force, would we, would we have a party at our house and walk in and the first thing we say to people is put a sock in it. <laughs> Be quiet, stay silent. No, the first words are welcome. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. It's good to see you again. Congratulations. Warm up the opening so that people are glad to be there. Robert Frost said, no joy in the writer, no joy in the reader, <laughs> no joy in the host, no joy in the listeners. And then at the end, always set up a pipeline with the words looking forward. We're looking forward to seeing you next month. We're looking forward to sharing a report about how that revent fit. We're looking short, we're looking forward to sharing our, our next month's hero story so that we warm up communication. We create a community where people feel involved and engaged instead of just passive spectators who are not participating. They're not a part of the process, they're apart from the process. What are your thoughts about that, Boris? Um, well, so I don't deal very much in, in board meetings, but the structure it absolutely makes sense. And when it comes to building communities online or in person, however they are, whether they're through social media or through Zoom calls or it, through in-person meetings, absolutely what's key is helping people feel or empowering people to feel like they are a contributor to the community, like they're part of the narrative. They're not just listening, but they're an active participant that they can share their insights their and make them feel like a human being is absolutely critical. So I, I love all of that. Um, I, I, speaking of being respectful of time, I, we're, we just reached the, the half hour mark and I really want to be respectful of yours. If you have a few more minutes though, I'd love to, uh, nudge you slightly further in, in one direction, which is that's how you engage people and make them feel part of a community. Uh, there's a big content uh, strategy called user-generated content where you really solicit uh, insights from your audience, from your community, and then you share it out with everybody, making them feel even more heard, making them feel like they're actually influencing the direction of the organization, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. But what nonprofits are having a hard time with, not but, another thing that nonprofits are having a hard time with is getting people to tune in in the first place, right? So we're competing now, uh, sometimes on a national scale, which is great because all of a sudden, Brooklyn organizations that I've been talking to have uh, participants in Texas, great, but they don't know 
how to get that attention in the first place, how to compete with the Amazon ad or the retargeting ad that, that they just, you know, someone just visit a website or the next funny video in the TikTok feed or Facebook feed or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So some people call it, you know, how do we stop the scroll? Others are, are just simply asking, how do we rise above the noise? And of course I have my theories, but Sam, I really want to hear yours. Well, Great question, Boris, is I believe in something called 60 second stories. We've already talked about we don't have 10 minutes or we have 60 seconds. So here's one of my favorite examples is that um, I believe we turn an elevator speech into an elevator story. And so here is a story. My son, Andrew Horn, started Dreams for Kids DC. And when people used to say, so what do you do? He said, I run a nonprofit. End of the conversation. Boris, we don't want to end the conversation. We want to open the conversation. So from now on, don't tell people what you do. <laughs> because if they get it, they'll go, oh, end of the conversation. If they don't get it, they'll go, huh? And now they're confused. Uh-oh, we lost him at hello. Instead, do what Andrew started to do. He would jump right into the Jerry story. He would talk about how Jerry had cerebral palsy, that the first time he came to an event, his mother was very concerned about him. He'd become very withdrawn and introverted, uh, bordering on depression. And so Dreams for Kids DC had a policy where they would assign someone to every single kid who showed up at one of their activities, whether it was with the Nationals, whether it was with at the White House, whatever. And, and so the first time that Jerry was there, Betty was her, was his host. Well, Betty made him feel welcome. Betty cheered him on, Betty, whatever. And, and a couple months later, they had an event out at Great Falls. Um, and it was actually kind of like a mud race. Now, Jerry is on, on, on crutches and, and doing the mud race at Great Falls was quite a challenge. So now all the kids had finished and Jerry was nowhere to be found. So Andrew ran back on the trail to find out where Jerry was. Well, here was Jerry and his host struggling up the trail, and he was very determined he was going to finish it. Well, now, you cannot make this stuff up, Boris, is that, is that Andrew runs back, gets volunteers to line the trail so that they can cheer him on and let him know he's just a couple hundred yards ahead. While the, while the volunteers along the trail are cheering Jerry on, a van from, I think it was Channel 9 shows up, and, and what Leon Harris, one of the great broadcasters in Washington, D.C., tumbled out of the van. The camera crew came out. They saw all the commotion and they started filming Jerry come over the crest of the hill. Jerry, 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 Jerry. And they caught as he finished the finished, you know, that race in Great Falls with everyone cheering him on. And Leon goes over and he sticks the mic on his face and says, Jerry, how's it feel? And Jerry says, I'm a winner. I'm a winner. Andrew doesn't talk about being a 501c and all their different activities and da, 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 da. no, he tells Jerry's story. And so I'm asking um, every, every nonprofit leader who's listening to this, do you have your Jerry stories in 60 second videos on your website? Do you have your Jerry stories on your face, on your Facebook feed, you know, on your YouTube channel, you know, because in the bottom, on the bottom line, it comes down to, are we sharing true real life examples that show what we do 
in a way people can identify with it, in a way they want to support it, in a way they want to recommend it, in a way they want to get involved with it? If so, that's how we stand out in a noisy world. Very cool. Great story, by the way. <laughs> Takes it right there. Up. <laughs> yeah. So Sam, um, tons of value here. Thank you so much for, for, for sharing all of that with us. We're going to have it all in the show notes. We'll have the transcript of this. We're going to have all of it uh, for all of our viewers and, and, and listeners to consume in any way that they uh, prefer to really on, on their time. Um, I ask everyone if there are any tools or resources that based on your expertise and insights, you would like to share or you would like people to uh, check out um, once they're done consuming this content. Well, thank you, Boris. Yeah, there of the books that I've written, there are three that are particularly useful for nonprofit leaders. Is one is called Tung Fu, and it's how to deal with difficult people without becoming one ourselves. It's been sold around the world now for more than 25 years. And uh, and this can help us deal with someone who's upset or unhappy. It can help us deal with a sensitive or stressful situation. So Tung Fu will be helpful. Also, I wrote a book called Pop. And Seth Godin said, um, a third of the way through this book, you're going to be begging to hire Sam as your consultant. So Pop helps you come up with one-of-a-kind names and positioning and messaging that can help, whether it's your content online or whether it is a pitch to a donor or a funder. Uh, it can help it uh, capture people's attention. And then Got Your Attention is based on this whole idea that people are busy and distracted and how can we hit the ground running and how we, can we communicate in a way that really is intriguing. People haven't heard it before and we get what we care about in their mental door. Awesome. Uh, we're going to have links to all of these in the show notes. Um, if viewers do want to, or listeners do want to follow up with you directly, or uh, what's the next step in their journey that they should take? They can go to my, well, two things. Go to the website, which is intrigueagency.com. So it's intrigue, I-N-T-R-I-G-U-E, intrigue agency. And if they go to the section called POP, we actually have workshops where we work with organizations and we help. We, what are your goals for this year? What do you want to have happen? Now, how can you help make that happen by making all of your communications intriguing and strategic and smart, you know, and purposeful so that they uh, develop that? And uh, also is that um, if you go there, oh, the second way is just get in touch with us personally. Just reach out to Sherry, C-H-E-R-I at intrigueagency.com. She's my business manager. She can answer your questions or we could do a webinar for your organization, speak at your annual conference. I'd love to continue the conversation. Thanks so much, Sam. And we'll have links to, to all of those as well in the show notes. <clears throat> I really appreciate your time today. The perspective that you put on things, the way that you frame them, I think is going to be helpful to a lot of organizations. And you're basically doing my job for me, convincing them that they need to tell stories, they need to tell good stories um, and, and do it in a way that's going to really connect with audiences and get them to take the actions that we want them to take to make a better world. So thank you so much for your time today. You're welcome. Hope people have found it intriguing, inspiring and useful. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We're uh, excited to have guests like Sam on every week. We're back now full time, and we hope you'll keep tuning in. If you like us, please go ahead and subscribe, rate us, 
help us get the word out so that more people could discover guests like Sam and all of the great other guests that we have on here that help nonprofits reach their audiences and create a better world for all of us. Thank you, everybody. Take care. Thank you all for watching and listening to the Nonprofit Hero Factory. We hope this episode has given you some ideas and strategies for creating more heroes for your cause and a better world for all of us. Please be sure to subscribe to this show on YouTube, Facebook, iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. And let us know what you think by leaving a review.